Uh, at 11 o'clock service today, we'll have the entire Faulkner football team. I think all 150 of them. It's going to be, be quite a crowd. And I think about they'll kick their season off this Thursday, 5 o'clock. They'll be the first college football game of the season. And I think about when you play any kind of sport, it's when you start playing the games, the fun part, right? The, the, the really rough parts, all the practicing, all the sweating, all the drills, especially if you're practicing in Montgomery, Alabama in the middle of the summer, right? On a turf field that's got to burn you up. So th- that's the fun part. And so far, as we've watched Nehemiah, we've seen him in preparation for really the battle. If you haven't been with us or you don't know a lot about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was living in Persia. He found out about how bad Jerusalem was and the walls were broken down. And he's pretty fired up about it. He weeps about it. He prays about it. He fasts about it. Why? Because it's not simply about walls. It's about the city of God. Nehemiah is so passionate because this is the honor of God on the line. So he goes to this heathen king. A miracle happens. The king grants him the ability to go back to Jerusalem and even gives him all the supplies. It's a great story. He gets back to Jerusalem. He's a smart man. He surveys the whole city. He's making a plan. We found out last week that faith and planning are not opposite. That they can go together. And finally here in chapter 3, we see things begin to happen. You see, what you're going to see this morning is in chapter 3, Nehemiah is busy building. When we get to chapter 4, he's going to be battling. I like what the famous theologian Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until they get smacked in the face, Right? And all plans look really good until you get out on the field and you get hit down. And that's what's going on here in the book of Nehemiah. So I hope you have your Bible. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to see the first three verse, first two verses here that will set the tone for the whole chapter. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hanel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. Now, just, just those verses don't sound like much to you and to me, but I want you to notice those, those highlighted words, next to him, next to him. If you'll read this entire chapter, you'll see that over and over again. God is employing all of his people to be a part of this great building. Now, a couple things about building that I want to point out here. First of all, leaders must set the pace. I think it's extremely significant that the person first mentioned is who? The high priests. I mean, you know, this is physical labor. I've heard you guys make fun of preachers. You don't think we do physical labor. And here is the high priest. He could have said, I'm too busy, I'm too spiritual, whatever he wanted to say. But he's leading the way. And if you want to lead the way, you've got to be the one who sets the pace. And that's exactly what's going on here with Nehemiah. You ever work for someone who maybe they asked you to do things that they wouldn't do themselves? Or or, or played for someone who wouldn't, you know, lead the way? 
You're not going to believe I'm going to say this, but one thing I really like about Coach Harson over in Auburn is when they run stadium stairs, he runs with them. Could you go back and please erase that? All right. But, but, but when he runs, he, he does it, you think, wow, man, how motivational that your coach is doing that. I remember once moving to a church, and, you know, I'd just been there a couple of days, and we were stacking chairs in the fellowship hall, and everybody kept asking, acting sort of shocked that I was back there stacking chairs. And finally, someone came up to me and said, we can't believe you're doing this. I said, oh, of course I'm doing this. They go, well, the preacher before us said he would not stack chairs. He was easy to follow, I promise you, all right? Why? Because if you're going to be a leader... You've got to be the one who, who leads the way. And then second here, if you go through this whole chapter, chapter 3, you're going to see that this is an incredible team effort. One book calls this wall-to-wall workers. Everybody, all hands on deck, are working in this team effort. In fact, look at just a couple of statistics. There are 38 individuals listed in this chapter. And there are 42 groups. And God wanted all of them listed because it's a team effort. You know, something surprising you might have noticed back in the first couple of verses is one group of people were the men of Jericho. Now, we don't have to go back many generations ago. Jericho was a really bad place with bad people. But nobody's past counts them out of being a part of this team. And then I want you to see some of the people listed, just as a, a list of uh, the priests, we've talked about that, the politicians, can you imagine them building the wall? The goldsmiths, the merchants, the perfumers, the families, the temple servants. I mean, everybody, I guess, I guess I'm sort of shocked at the perfumers. <laughs> that doesn't sound very masculine to me, right? I mean, yeah, we got, hey, who's working down here? Well, we got the perfumers down here. At least they smelled good, right? But look at all the variety of people that are working on this wall. People you would not necessarily expect. Everyone is needed. Paul tells this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks the body of Christ. He says we are one body made up of what? Many parts. And we've got this quite funny chapter where Paul has different body parts talking to other body parts. Like the hand says to the foot... You know, I have no need of you. Or the foot says the hand. Or, or the head. I mean, there's all this talking going on. Like, but his point is this. Every one of those parts were needed. The hand can't say to the foot, we don't need you. The foot can't say to the head, get out of here. It's all going to work together. And guys, when it comes to us building something great. You see, guys, here's what we're talking about today. Nehemiah was rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, the city of God. We have been tasked to build the kingdom of God. And for it to happen, all hands must be on deck. Everybody is needed. Let me tell you today, you know, we're going to go on as a church with you or without you. We have no choice. But we would do a whole lot better if you would join the work. And, and, and what I want you to know is, you might go, well, I understand him, or I see her, of course. That, no, no, no. We're even using the perfumers, right? I hope none of you are perfumers. I'm getting in trouble. But, but, but just, just, just think of all the people in this room. Can you imagine? 
Let's just think about our city. If, if the bankers and the doctors and the trash truck drivers and the teachers and the coaches and the businessmen, if everybody in this city came together in a cause, and, and think in this church, if all of us come together in this incredible cause to build the kingdom of God, it's a team effort. Now, look at this next picture. Some of you are old enough to remember when Neil Armstrong took that first step. But there's a great book out called Team Moon. And it mentions how many people it took to make that happen. Guess in your head right now. Thousand? Ten thousand? Here's the answer. It took 400,000 people working together to get a man to the moon. And that's why Neil Armstrong says, when I first took the first step, the first thing I thought about was all the people who had worked on this. It took over 500 people simply to work on the spacesuit. And that was an incredible example of people coming together. And guys, that's what we're called to do. And that's why I want you to know that every single one of you is needed. So what are we saying here? Leaders must set the pace. It's a team effort. And it starts where you are. One thing you notice when you read through chapter 3 is most of them are assigned to work beside their house. Just start where you are. Some of you go, buddy, you're talking about all this building, you know, and being a part of building the kingdom of God. What do I do? Start where you are. What is the kingdom of God? It's wherever God reigns. So start in your house, it being a godly place where God is the king. Start in your neighborhood. Start in your school. Start at your business place. You see, I think Nehemiah was very wise to say, here's where I want you to start. Go outside your house, as close as the wall is, and you start building the wall there. You see, a lot of times on a day like today, you know, we hear the Brindleys and we think, man, we need to all go to Turkey. And some of us may need to. Just recently, we sent Jen Tuck to Turkey to join them. But here's what God would say, is where you need to start is right where you are. And sometimes we think, if I don't do something big and grand, I don't need to be a part of it. What Nehemiah would teach us is, you start where you are, serving God, and He will call you. And then a couple more points here. Celebrate every step forward. That's what I see going on here in Nehemiah. All these names are mentioned. You see, we, we read chapter 3, and I'm not even going to read it all to you today, because to us, it sounds boring. It's got a list of all these people. It's repetitive. They rebuilt this part of the wall. They rebuilt this gate. They put the doors in. I mean, just over and over. And we look at it repetitive. But what God says is, I want to celebrate the people who took this step. And for us today, we must celebrate every step that is taken forward. If you really want to change somebody, you normally don't change people by pointing out every bad thing they do. That's our temptation. 
especially if you're a parent, you know that. And there are places for that. But the greatest way to motivate people to change is every positive step they take forward, you celebrate it. You stop and celebrate. That's why as a church, we celebrate new members. We celebrate baptisms. We celebrate, hopefully, in our small groups, every step someone takes forward to grow. Because sometimes, guys, it's just that really small celebration that makes a big difference. I was thinking about that this week. One of the first things that really encouraged me to be a preacher is that we had a Sunday at our church, a little small church growing up, where all the teenagers led the service. And, and you might could guess this, I was put in charge of the announcements. Okay? Not video announcements, not that cool, just, just announcements, right? And let me tell you, when I stepped down, you would have thought from those sweet people I had preached the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, you know, it's like they just could, could, and, and you know, that little bit of celebration, encouragement said, you know, maybe you could do something like this. And so that's what we do is we celebrate every step forward. But here's the point I want you to get from chapter 3. If God calls you, He will equip you. He's going to equip you. Don't worry if He calls you. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not ready. I don't know how to do this. I mean, I'm sorry to pick on these guys, but you really think the perfumers knew how to build walls? I mean, I, don't, I just don't picture it. But God says, anytime I call you to do something, don't worry about it. I'm going to make sure you are equipped. So now let's go into chapter 4. And this is where Mike Tyson would say, they got punched in the face. How do they respond? Let's go verse by verse in chapter 4. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. These Gentile you know, warlords are not happy with this. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? I mean, you know, if you read chapter 3, it looks to me like they're rocking it. If, if you look here, they're, they're almost halfway up the wall in this point. They're going to build this wall in 52 days. And yet he looks at them and says, they're feeble. What are they doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of these heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he would break down the stone wall. I don't know if there was some inside joke about foxes. But somehow they, they think it's appropriate to say, just, we'd say if a feather touched it, it'd fall down. But maybe the fox works here. This is so pitiful. I mean, they're, they're being sarcastic. They're making fun of it. And so the, the enemies come back out. They're punching them in the face. Now, as always, Nehemiah's response is prayer. And this is not a pretty prayer. Listen to verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Nehemiah is angry and he is venting. God, I'm so sick of these people. Do not dare bless them. Don't forgive them. 
Basically, he's saying, you could send them to you know where. So he goes in prayer. And then here's, here's probably my favorite, favorite line in the chapter. It's just such a small line. So we built the wall. All this criticism, all this, you need to stop. This is pitiful what you're doing. You guys don't have the power to do it. Nehemiah prays and hands him over to God. And then that simple statement is, we're not diverted. We're not distracted. We're not stopping. We are building the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height. I love this. For the people had a mind to work. These guys love working together. And then the enemies come back. When Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. What do you do when the enemy comes? You pray. Look at verse 9. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against him day and night. Don't you love that line? We prayed to our God, and we set a protection. You say, well, what, if you prayed, why did you set protection? It's like if there was a lot of burglaries in your neighborhood, and, and you said, hey, well, i, I got to take this to God, man. This is being scary living here, and Lord, please, please protect us. You also ought to lock the doors, Right? <laughs> You ought to deadbolt the doors. And so Nehemiah and them, they're, they're battling and they're building here at the same time. Look at verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. But ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Listen to me, guys. At this point, the critics get to them a little bit. This is not the high point of the book. This is the low point. What are the enemy's tactics here? I mean, just go through some of these just for a second. But let me say this to you about the enemy's tactics. Anytime you're going to be a part of something great, it's not going to be easy. Just expect that. If you're trying to build a great marriage, it's not going to be easy. You're trying to build a great team. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be attacks. You're trying to build a, a great school. You're trying to build a great church. Whatever you may be building, Satan's going to make sure it's not easy. You're trying to build a great relationship with God, and you're distracted over and over again. Now, what are some of the, some of the ways the enemy, and we, we'll, we'll take some more time next week to deal with this. First of all, the enemy worked through insecurity. Who do you guys think you are? And listen to me, if some of you step out to be a part of building the kingdom of God, Satan is going to whisper in your ear, who in the world do you think you are? Remember your past? Remember how screwed up you are right now? Remember the family you grew up in? What do you think you're doing? Insecurity. Intimidation. Man, they bring their forces out, they're going to report them to the king. And I'm telling you, Satan's going to try to intimidate you. He's going to say to you, this is too big for you discouragement and this is where this is what we're really going to focus on next week because they're at that really hard point here where they're halfway there and they're discouraged there's too much rubble still distraction because if satan can't beat you through making you sinful he's just going to distract the mess out of you he's going to make you distracted by 
like this fall, endless college football. He's going to distract us from watching ESP in every day, from watching, you know, the Discovery Channel, watching HGTV. You can binge out on Netflix all weekend. You can play video games until your mind busts. I mean, he wants to distract you. Some things that could be good temporarily become things that, you know, we say, we don't have time. Look at what we're doing. And then finally, it's just exhaustion. The scripture says there, their strength is failing. And you may feel that this way this morning. Just exhausted. And I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. He prays. He's persistent. They just don't stop. It's hard to beat someone who just refuses to stop. He puts out protection. He locks the doors. And then proximity, if you keep reading this chapter, he should start bringing the people together at certain parts of the wall so nobody feels like they're building by themselves. And that's what we need to do. If we're going to build, don't try to get out there and build by yourself. That's why God put you in this church. So there are people beside you every day building. And then finally, I love this. They just praise God. I mean, listen to verse 14. The the last part of it. Do not be afraid of them. What are you going to do? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Man, one thing we need to constantly do is just recognize who God is. Listen, listen to me, guys. That's why it's important for you at the beginning of every week to be here. Because the most important thing we do is we, we recognize who God is and what God has done for us. Before you meet the temptations, the trials, the difficulties of the week, we need to gather and praise God. Because if, if you don't have God where he is, you're in trouble. If you think you're going out there to face it on your own power, but if you're facing it in the power of the great, and as Nehemiah would say, an awesome God, man, you got it. So, so here's, a, here's a point to make. If God calls you, Satan will oppose you. You just got to know that. I love this Steve Farrar quotation. When a man gets serious about God, the devil gets serious about him. So when you're under attack, don't be surprised. Some people set us up by this crazy health and wealth gospel that says if you just follow Jesus, everything in your life's going to fall in place. I've been telling you, if you follow Jesus, probably less will fall in place. That's why when someone comes out of the water of baptism, if I have an opportunity, I'm always going to say, hey man, you need to have your guard up because Satan, you know, Satan is coming after you. Listen very closely to what I'm about to say here. If you are a lukewarm Christian, Satan does not have to attack you. Listen to me. Satan does not attack lukewarm churches. He attacks churches that are on fire for him. Because a lukewarm church, be honest, he's got them. A lukewarm Christian, he's got them. He doesn't have to attack you. And so I want to ask you this morning, this is a pretty pertinent question. Are you being attacked? 
I mean, where, where in the world is Satan coming after you? And, and if I can be honest here, I think it's a, a bad sign if, if we can't name it. Because I'll guarantee you, if you're out there trying to build the kingdom of God and lead God and raise your family to be disciples of Jesus Christ and influence everyone you can, Satan is going to come against you. You stay lazy and lukewarm. He doesn't have to come against you. So here's the bottom line of this message today. We must build and battle at the same time. I mean, listen to, we'll look at this more next week, but listen to verses 16 and 17. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held their spears, shields, bows, and coats of nail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Listen, this is really great. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored with work on one hand, and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. Maybe your mistake in the past if you've gotten fired up about building, but you weren't expecting this attack, and somehow Satan has knocked you out of commission. And what we're learning from Nehemiah here, guys, is not only must we be a part of building, but we must be a part of battling. Not only must we be workers, we're not going to make it unless we are warriors. Guys, we've all seen it. How many times have we seen a church have an incredible impact and Satan is able to to attack the leadership, and when things are at the height, someone is caught in sexual immorality. How many times have we seen that? And you know, that's what Satan's going to do. He's in battle. So that's why, you know, we've got to be out there working with one hand and holding the sword in the other hand. We're part of spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you, and I'm praying for you in this series, I'm praying for me, that we're going to step out and we're going to be a stronger, better church than we've ever been. And we're going to build something that's worthwhile. But if it's worthwhile, it's going to be attacked. Let me point out one more thing. This is sort of a fascinating verse to me. Back in chapter 3, when they're listing all these people, look at what they say in verse 5. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. I mean, here's some highfalutin folks. And they won't step out. And I'm telling you, everybody else notices. But listen to how some other translations put this. They would not lift a finger to help. They would not stoop to serve the Lord. They refused to get their hands dirty. Who was that? That was the nobles. People with great talents and great means. And they chose not to be a part of building the city of God. And let's be honest, because most of us have great great means, certainly compared to the world. 
it's so easy to fill our life with everything else because we can afford to do it. And the kingdom of God loses. It's so easy for us because our world is so full of so many distractions, so much entertainment, that that we just fill our lives with the insignificant and the things that are really significant get passed on the wayside. And that's what's happening with these nobles. And in this great chapter of applauding everybody else, they just sort of stop in verse 5 and say, but we got a problem with these people. They wouldn't lift a finger. They wouldn't get their hands dirty. Now let me ask you this question as we close. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be all these groups of people, including even the perfumers? I mean, would you rather be in all these different groups of people that are part of building something great? Or in the long run, you think it'd be better to be the nobles who say, we just not get our hands dirty. It's okay for you guys to work, but we got too much going on. I mean, who, who do you think, by the end of this book, is going to be the people that are fulfilled? Are you really going to be glad that you chose to sit it out when the city of God is being rebuilt? Are you going to be pleased? Let me just ask you this morning. Are you going to be pleased to sit it out while the kingdom of God is being built? You going to be okay with that? Is that really going to be a fulfilling life? I would tell you no. I would much rather be over here sweating and handing another brick to a laborer beside me who's ready to get their hands dirty. Because that's where life is found. One of my favorite quotations is from um, Teddy Roosevelt. And you, you've probably heard this before. And I want to read this as we close. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have actually done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, who does actually try to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, and spends himself in a worthy call, who at worst, if he fails, at least fails daring greatly. And listen to the end of the quotation. Far better it to try mighty things, to win great triumphs, even though marred by mistakes, than to take rank among those poor souls who know neither victory nor defeat because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither. What's he saying? Let me tell you guys, you don't want to be the nobles pointed out. That's not where life's found. Life is found being in the arena, being in the battle, out on the field, getting knocked down, and coming back. And that's why we need this story. So this morning, if you've been knocked out, if you've been distracted, if it's time for you to once again engage in the work, get your hands dirty. If you need this church to pray for you, if there's anything in your life you need praying for, why don't you come right now? while we stand and sing.